welcome back to the Bookish Feels podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about Captive Prince by C.S. Picard. First off, I just want to explain that I will be doing this as the whole trilogy, so each episode will be about each book. And this is the first book we're going to talk about. This book is very polarizing. People absolutely love it, and then people absolutely despise it. And that's partly what I find so intriguing about this series, because there's just so much discourse around it. And it really goes to show that no one reads the same book in the same way. And that is totally fine. Everyone is valid in their opinions through this. And this book is definitely something that's not for everyone. So, just had to say that. (laughs) But anyway, also just to note, this is my first time rereading this first book. And I just have to say... I came into this very critical because for those of you who have read the entire trilogy, you will know exactly what I am talking about. I will not state it here, but once you have read the entire trilogy and you reread it again, it's completely different when you reread it because you know something that was not revealed. And it changes everything. It changes the way we see the characters interact and what that means in the context of the story. So, yeah. (laughs) I came into this with a microscope on Laurent because that man is a goddamn puzzle. And I remember reading the first time, I was constantly trying to figure out Laurent's motives and his next move because he... he's complicated. And that is an understatement. Oh my god, there's just... there's so much to unpack with Laurent, but I will get into that. Obviously, Laurent hates Achillons, so he's instantly like, get this filth out of my sight, break him on the cross. But then all of a sudden, Damon says, wait, I will read out what I'm talking about. What's your name, sweetheart? Said Laurent, not quite pleasantly. He knew better than to answer any question posed in that saccharine voice. He lifted his eyes to Laurent's. That was a mistake. They gazed at each other. Perhaps he's defective, suggested Bouillon. Pellucid blue eyes rested on his. Laurent repeated the question slowly in the language of Achielos. The words came out before he could stop them. I speak your language better than you speak mine, sweetheart. What? (laughs) Uh, Damon, do you know what espionage is? (laughs) Oh my god. The amount of sass that I hear in this book that comes out of Damon's mouth, as well as Laurent's, is insane. That man has balls. Oh my god. (laughs) He does not care. He's so chaotic. But I love that. But even after this sass line, Laurent changes his mind. As I said before, I have a microscope on Laurent because I'm like... You very clearly have a hatred and prejudice towards people like Damon and his entire country. So I'm just focusing on how Laurent changed his mind. Then I realized the only reason he could have changed his mind, because instead he says, No, restrain him here in the harem. 
after you teach him some manners. The only way I can make sense of Laurent changing his mind is that Laurent is thinking that the regent, his uncle, wants him to break Damon on the cross. And that is the only thing stopping him from doing it in this scene. Because we know how arrogant Laurent is when it comes to these sort of things. He has to be one step above everyone else, one step ahead in the game. I just have to say, I loved the back and forth between Laurent and the Regent because he's literally just such a straight up bitch to the Regent. I found that so much more funnier in this second reading, so... I will I will quote those moments because I absolutely love I absolutely love those moments but we'll get to that but yeah no the, the only thing stopping Laurent from going so far is literally the regent Laurent's hate towards the regent and vice versa is very cloak and dagger I think that's how I use that term <laughs> but I absolutely love the dynamic in that. It was so much more fun to read in this second reading because I didn't realise how Laurent is just so good at roasting people throughout the entire series. And I will quote those bits when I get to them, but we'll get to them later. Also, before I go on, I just want to recommend a playlist to you because when I read it the second time, I listened to... Captive Prince Cinematic Score by Roe, which is spelt R-R-O-A-H on Spotify. It is literally the best playlist I have ever heard. It is like a cinematic soundtrack. So I highly recommend you listen to that while you read it because it honestly just like sets the mood and the tone very well. I honestly forgot just how crass Laurent is and in the scene where Laurent and Damon are at the ring and this is right before the whole incident Laurent's trying to really provoke a response out of Damon in the most uncomfortable way possible because he's just got such a crass mouth he asks Damon what did he do to make Castor send him as a slave and to that Damon's being very you know He can't actually say why. So he's being very vague. Laurent then says, Did you think he sent you to me out of love? What did you do to him? Beat him in a tournament? Or fuck his mistress? Your curse. Maybe, he said, his eyes widening a little. You strayed after he fucked you. And that is when I was like, Oh my god, Laurent, stop. (laughs) Laurent, stop. Okay, personally, I am not... I am not a prude person. I am crass. I have my own crass humour. But Laurent is on a whole other level of crassness. But then he says, So that's it. Castor mounts his soldiers like horses in the yard. Did you grit your teeth and take it because he was the king? Or did you like it? You really, said Laurent, have no idea how happy that makes me. It's perfect. A man who holds you down while he fucks you. With a cock like a bottle and a beard like my uncle's. <laughs> oh my god, I absolutely hate that line. <laughs> oh, I am uncomfy. <laughs> Laurent, please stop. 
Oh my god. Yeah. Laurent makes me feel like I'm a blushing nun or something when he speaks like that because it's just disgusting. Laurent clearly wants Damon to be uncomfortable as fuck and to get under his skin because obviously Castor is his brother. So, disgusting. <laughs> also, the thing that the first thing that genuinely caught me off guard when I first read this book was the ring. The whole incident of the ring. I was like, what the fuck? As you do. And I was like, oh god, Damon, please, please, please win the fight. Well, not win the fight, but get out of it somehow. And obviously, he gets out of it and knocks Govar out because. Oh my god, Govar. <laughs> You'll learn more about him, and if you've read the book, you know exactly who Govar is. But, oh, he is disgusting. Everyone in the Veritian court is disgusting. End of story. <laughs> and even after that ring scene, I'm consciously bringing to mind how the hell is C.S. Picard going to convince me that Laurent could one day love Damon and vice versa. So that is at the forefront of my mind and this time I'm extra critical over it. Obviously Laurent is in his very horrible, horrible state right now so I can't say much but yeah, definite slow burn. I don't think this could work as a typical story would because it's kind of impossible. So what I mean by that is if this wasn't a slow burn, this absolutely could not work out. That's what I feel like. These sort of things need time to pan out. I also feel like part of the uncomfortableness of when I initially first read it was, you know, seeing Damon, who is obviously physically imposing and strong, this warrior prince, is forced into... He's forced into being in a place of submission but the thing is we know that Damon's not going to take that because that's not who he is at all and seeing him in the ring with Govar who is also like um I don't know how you guys imagine him but he just seems like really stocky and muscly and gross and hairy and <laughs> I just I don't have a, like, you look at him and Damon, you're like, mm, that, I don't want to see anything like that. Not at all. I unsee, like, please don't. Please, Damon, get out of there. Get out of there. The thing that comes to mind, I don't know if any of you guys have seen Outlander. I think I'm in the first season or second season now, but uh, spoilers, if you don't want to hear them, please cover your ears. But there is a point in the season where Jamie is raped by Randall. And I cannot tell you the horror that I felt when I saw that because it's just unimaginable. This is Jamie. This is our man. This is our... He is unbeatable. Like, you would never think that. And that's the same thing that I feel with Damon because Damon's someone who's not going to be easily subdued. That's what I mean. And I feel like that's... I'm trying to, like, elaborate those uncomfortable feelings. So I hope you understand what I mean by that. I also have to note that in the bath scene, I was wondering why on earth is Laurent letting Damon see him naked? But then again, I realised that this is Veer we're in. And Veer did not give a shit with nudity. 
Now Laurent is adamant about breaking Damon on the cross after the whole incident in the baths. But to contextualise it, I fully understand now that Laurent would have 100% have killed Damon on the cross had the regent not been at the back of his mind. That is the only thing stopping Laurent from killing Damon. That's the way I conceptualise it. Because literally, the whole entire time, even in the beginning of the story, it's the regent that disrupts it. So it makes sense, because Laurent, Laurent hates Damon, but his fucking arch-nemesis is the regent. There is a whole other game at play here that he must remember. I, that's how I understand it now. I don't know if you guys felt the same way in that, because when I read it the first time, I was so... I was like, why did he not kill him? Because it's like, it's this constant trying to figure out how Laurent works. Because, you know, things are complicated. I hope that's not just word vomit, but that is how I felt. On page 78, where the ring fight had positioned Damon as a fellow fighter, being pulverized under the prince's lash had apparently made him one of the fraternity. Even the taller guard, Orlan, who had threatened Damon after the fight, seemed to have or somewhat warmed to him. And he claps him on the back, declaring the prince a cast-iron bitch. I love how we're seeing two very different sides of Veer at this point. Though Veer, as a whole, is just debauchery and scheming and exploitation, we're seeing another side where there are these people like Orlan or Jord who are just soldiers doing their duty and they're actually pretty buddy-buddy with Damon straight off the bat. Well, not straight off the bat, but you get what I mean. But I like that. He has, like, he has a little bit of a following, if you will. A little camaraderie. And that's what Damon deserves at this point. He needs some friends. Also, Laurent as a cast-iron bitch. That is the best description of him I've ever heard. I just want to take a step back from the story for a sec to discuss the world-building. Because Picard goes so in-depth. I just need to, like, elaborate how much I love how much work she has done in it. On page 80, Damon is being guarded by the prince's guard after his back has been whipped and he is healing. I believe it's Jord and Orlan that are having this conversation with him, I think. Was it true, asks Jord, that in Achilles, the male nobility kept female slaves and the ladies fucked men? They don't in Veer? He recalled that inside the ring and out of it, he had seen only same-sex pairings. His knowledge of Verician culture did not extend to the practices of intimacy. Why not? No one of high birth invites the abomination of bastardry, said Jord, matter-of-factly. Female pets were kept by ladies, male pets were kept by lords. So I find that really interesting that it's very... I think the word is homonormative. We do need more stories like that because I find it very intriguing. Obviously sex is a massive part of Verician culture, right? And I don't just mean that in the obvious instances shown throughout the book. It's the little things that fascinate me. Like the way the men speak to each other. I don't know if any of you guys have noticed this. But I get a sense that men are very eager to draw attention to their dicks. I don't know if that like if that's insane to say, but... Um, I know that there's a word for this, which I learnt from uni, and 
It's called phallocentric power, which means power of the dick, basically, and how being dominant over other people through that is a prevalent thing. And I find that so fascinating because I'm like, this is my big brain moment. (laughs) But um, though I find it fascinating, I remember being so uncomfortable when I first read it because I was like, what the, why do they always talk about dick? Like they just, it's very, um, it's just very in your face like that. But again, I suppose that this is the way that some groups of men speak probably because again, Laurent's a crass man. So, and it makes sense in the Venetian culture because they're so obsessed with sex and power. It's always about getting a leg over someone. Not only that, but it's also shown in the decor, like the carvings on the doors in the baths, the weaving of the silk covering and the little litter Damon travelled in on the boar hunt. The amount of detail Picard goes into in order to create the world and society of Veer amazing I can't get over it I have to applaud her because like it's just refreshing to see such a different world and Picard has done that so well I absolutely love how Jord and Orlant just want the goss with Damon and Laurent because uh, on page 81 Jord asks have you said Jord to Damon with a slow spreading smile Between the ring fight and the lashing, said Damon sourly. No, they say he's frigid. Damon stared at him. What? Why? Well, said Jord, because he doesn't... I mean, why is he so? Said Damon, cutting off Jord's prosaic explanation firmly. Why is snow cold? Said Jord with a shrug. Despite the fact that Laurent is an absolute horrible person and a bitch... The prince's guard are allegiant to him only because of his looks. That's what I feel like. And I'm pretty sure that's stated in the book somewhere. My eyes flew by it. But it's very, you know, everyone wants to get a leg over the prince. Bringing up the point of being a part of the fraternity. I love how initially Orlant was just a massive dick to Damon in the beginning because he just wanted to beat the shit out of him for no reason. But then page 82 he's genuinely asking Damon how did you end up here to that Damon says I made an enemy of the king (laughs) Castor someone should stick it to that horse son only a country of barbarian scum would put a bastard on the throne no offense Damon none taken I love that I that totally passed me by when I first read it but I was like that's a nice little little moment because Olan actually doesn't want to offend him okay here's an iconic Laurent moment on page 92 Laurent is receiving a metaphorical public flogging in front of the entire Verician court after subjecting Damon to the whip here's the conversation between the regent and him nephew said the regent I think you can guess why we are here. A slave laid hands on me and I had him flogged for it. Calmly. Twice, said the regent. Against my orders. The second time, against the advice that it might lead to his death. Almost it did. He's alive. The advice was incorrect. Again, 
calmly. He's being a little shit. <laughs> oh, I love it. I absolutely love the back and forth with him and the regent. Oh my god, what a sass queen. The fact that he just does it so smoothly, again, astounds me every time. I think I'm about to list off some more iconic Laurent lines, so bear with me. It's in the same scene. This is after Laurent loses all of his lands except for Aquitart, and the regent's basically holding all of his money. Laurent says to that, I think there is an old caretaker in Aquitart. Shall I ride to the border with him? We could share armour. Don't be facile. If you agreed to fulfil your duty, you would not lack for men. Why would I waste my time on the border when, at Castor's whim, you roll over? Oh my god. <laughs> I, oh my god, I am fangirling over this so hard right now. What the hell? It's like, it's like watching an episode of the Housewives of Beverly Hills or something, because there is just so much drama and shade. <laughs> Oh my god. They're fighting with their words. I love the fighting with their words. I'm trying to understand Laurent as how C.S. Picard understands him. Because he's so complicated and like the machinations of his mind are so... He's just a very strong archetype. I just want to point out that why does Laurent say on page 96... You look like a whore, filthy painted slut. Did you spread for my uncle the way you did for Castor? I'm just like, why? (laughs) Why did you say that? But what I make sense of it is that Laurent's just constantly trying to subdue Damon with his words, to be dominant over him in his words. Because obviously physically Laurent's not... Laurent's not physically imposing like Damon is. And... You can take one look at them in your mind and you're like, Damon 100% would win the fight if it was between him and Laurent. But I like that that's so... That's such a specific characteristic. And obviously Laurent's a very strong character archetype in the fact that he... I never saw instances where I thought Laurent would be out of character. So Picard does a very good job at like sticking to her character archetypes, which I quite enjoyed. But he is a very messed up character archetype. Maybe I'm a little bit slow when it comes to these sort of things, but when I first read this scene where Laurent takes Damon to the gardens and he snaps the leash when Herod comes into view... I was like, why the hell did Laurent snap the leash? But now I realise it's because Laurent's trying to make it look like Damon's wild and uncontrollable. And do you see the kind of harm that he can do? Because he's broken the leash. So he's constantly, he's making it so evident, especially in front of the Verusian court and after that lost battle with the regent... He's trying to show that the regent's word is wrong. That is why. And I know, like, that some of you may have connected those two dots, but I did not. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I'm glad that I now know that because I'm trying to understand it in depth. I'm about to talk about the uncomfortable non-con scene between Ansel and Damon in the gardens in front of Varen and whatnot. And... 
if you don't want to listen to that again, just I'm not gonna reiterate it, but I just I just want to discuss it for a sec because I'm trying to understand this scene and what it means in the context of the story on a more deeper level. I could just be over dramatizing myself. I don't know, but I just want to vent and voice my thoughts to this. The fact that Laurent plays a part in it because he's giving the instructions. It's fascinating how, again, it, it comes back to that whole idea of sex equals power type thing. and um, But he's doing it in an indirect way. He's doing it in an untouchable way because Laurent's not in a place where he is exposing himself the way that Ansel is kind of participating in it. That's just something I want to put out there because, I don't know, that's just some of my that's just some of my thoughts on that. Anyway, after that whole scene, Nikkei's comes back and he says to Laurent, "Your uncle wants to see you." Does he? Let's make him wait. Nikkei's, I don't mind. The longer you wait, the more trouble you'll be in. Well, as long as you don't mind, Laurent said. He sounded amused. Nikkei's lifted his chin. I'm going to tell him you waited on purpose. You can if you like. I just assumed he'd guess. But you can save him the effort. Since we're waiting, shall I call for refreshments? <laughs> oh my god. He gestured to the last of the tray-bearing servants, who stopped his retreat and approached. Do you take wine, or aren't you old enough yet? I'm thirteen. I drink whenever I like. Nikkei scorned the tray, pushing at it so hard it almost overbalanced. I'm not going to drink with you. We don't need to start pretending politeness. Don't we? Very well. I think it is 14 by now, isn't it? Oh yeah, now we go into the conversation, that really odd conversation. I remember when I read this the first time, I kind of didn't totally understand what Laurent and Nikkei were talking about. I mean, it's very obvious that he's talking about how Nikkei's is growing older and with the regent's taste, that isn't a good thing for him at least. Well, it is a good thing in hindsight, but, you know, Nikkei's thinks, no, I need to be with the regent forever, but that's obviously not the case. Knowing what I know now, Laurent is trying to, you know... Be like an older brother to Nikkei's. He makes the offer that I could have you as my my pet. And Nikkei's is absolutely horrified by that idea. And Laurent says to that in his very petty, vaguely threatening way. Oh, said Laurent. No, Nikkei's. No. That would wreck you. I wouldn't do that. Then his voice became almost tired. Maybe it's better if you think that I would. You have quite a good mind for strategy, to have thought of that. Maybe you will hold him longer than the others. Yeah, it's very... (laughs) Again, it's very... Cloak and Dagger. I feel like I understand the whole machinations behind everything in that scene, but in the same breath, I feel like there's still like an element of it where I'm I just can't grasp it fully. 
Because Laurent and McKay's dynamic is oddly sassy, bitchy, and threatening to each other, but in the same breath it's not, which I will discuss in further events. Things are not as they seem, is what I am trying to say. When Erasmus and Damon are alone, oh my god. I was, to be honest with you, I was shipping Erasmus and Damon when I first read it, because Erasmus is just a sweet baby boy. I can't even, oh my god, he's so pure, and like, I love how him being chosen for Prince Damianos is such a fitted choice because Erasmus responds to strength and Damon responds to submissiveness and he finds he finds Erasmus endearing and cute and I'm like oh my god my heart it's too pure it's too pure oh my god I love how Damon is such an empath that comes full well and clear in this scene when they when they talk I'll point out bits of dialogue that I'm talking about but he sees the burns on Erasmus's leg and Erasmus explains the whole horrible punishment that happened to him for just failing to follow orders when he first arrived in Via and to that Damon says you didn't fail that you tried it all proves your courage what was asked of you was impossible there's no shame in what happened to you And I just go so soft for that. (laughs) Oh my god. He's just so understanding and empathetic and I just, I'm... I know this is me getting gushy, but Damon stands out as being the prince that everyone loves. Because he's empathetic and he cares about his people being mistreated in this country. And let alone someone who, who wouldn't be seen by society as having rights which is Aramis because he's a slave but Damon (laughs) he sticks up for the weak that's what it is his whole aesthetic is just standing up for the weak and why would you attack someone when they don't have the will to defend themselves that's his whole motto and I love that that is just me gushing anyway (laughs) I almost forgot to mention this but on page 105 Nikkei's comes in with Erasmus, and spits in Damon's face, saying, my name is Nikkei's. I love that. I feel like I'm just constantly saying I love that. But (laughs) you have to understand, I'm at a point where I've definitely built up the characters in my head, and I'm just highlighting these moments because they are very prominent character moments in my mind that stand out because... Nikkei's is honestly a very scary child, and I would not last five seconds with him, but (laughs) of course, he spits in Damon's face. To me, these scenes, as I'm describing them to you right now, when I first read it, they didn't stand out to me. But now these particular scenes, they come across as more funny, which I find odd, because you're like, oh my god, Nikkei's is so horrible, but he spits in Damon's face. He's a 13-year-old child. Like, it's just so absurd. Why did the Laurent accept to hand over the Akhyalan slaves to Patras? Well, 
Firstly, he shows up at the high table all beautiful and keen to chat to Torvald, and who is also very smitten with Laurent. Here is my little my little explanation to that. With recent events, i.e. Laurent losing to the regent, if Laurent can goad Torvald into striking a trade deal with the regent, he will be on Laurent's side, and thus, if there was ever a situation where Torvald had to back up the regent or Laurent, it would be Laurent. Again, Laurent has so much fucking hate towards the regent, and I feel like that just cancels out everything else. I may cut this out, but I just want to highlight this one point Laurent says to Damon when Damon is asking for him to consider giving the Achaean slaves to Torveld. Very well, Laurent says. Let us play this out. You're concerned for the well-being of the other slaves. Why hand me that kind of advantage? Advantage, said Damon. When someone doesn't like you very much... It isn't a good idea to let them know that you care about something, said Laurent. Damon felt himself turn ashen as the threat sank in. Would it hurt worse than a lashing for me to cut down someone you care for, said Laurent. Oh my god! (laughs) Oh my god! We are on a knife's edge. Right there. (laughs) Here is another iconic moment where Laurent is being a shit to the regent, inadvertently, but very obviously at the same time. (laughs) It's on page 150. It's at the high table when the regent has discovered that Laurent has brought himself with Damon when he was not invited. Nephew, you are not invited to these discussions. And yet, here I am. It's very irritating, isn't it? Said Laurent. He's being such a hardcore bitch. I can't even... (laughs) See, I know for those of you who have only read book one right now, you will not... I definitely sound insane. (laughs) Like, um, fangirling over the fact that Laurent's just being a bitch. But, oh my god. (laughs) Why? This man holds so much power. Like, oh... It's the subtlety of his bitchiness that I like. It's in his words, because his words are like a loaded gun. I love this scene where Damon is sitting at the table, and Nikkei's is sitting next to him, and Nikkei's is like, I don't want to sit next to you. Fuck off. <laughs> and I just... I don't know if anyone imagines um this vine. I've seen this vine of... This little British kid, he's talking to his parents in the car, and all of a sudden he sees something, and he's like, fuck off. And I was just like, I was just like, oh my god, this is how I picture (laughs) Nikkei's. I think it's the fact that Nikkei's is a child, and him saying fuck off just really seems so weird to me, but... (sighs) Then Damon says, it's alright, I'm not going to hurt you. Nikkei stared back at him. His huge blue eyes were fringed like a whore's, or like a doe's. Around them, the table was a coloured wall of voices and laughter. Courtiers caught up with their own amusements, paying them no attention. Good, he said, and stabbed the fork viciously into Damon's thigh under the table. 
Oh my god, Nikkei's. He's so vicious. I'm like, this is a child we are talking about. Laurent says, excuse me a moment. And smoothly turning from Torveld, he faces Nikkei's. I made your pet jump, said Nikkei's smugly. Not sounding at all displeased. Yes, he did. Whatever you're planning, it's not going to work. I think it will, though. Betty, your earring. If I win, you wear it, said Nikkei's. Laurent immediately lifted his cup and inclined it towards Nikkei's in a little gesture, sealing the bet. Damon tried to shake the bizarre impression that they were both enjoying themselves, and that's the whole dynamic I love between Laurent and Nikkei's. I just want to highlight this one moment between Laurent and Damon. I love the slow progression of, like, actual sexual tension between them because it's very subtle in the beginning especially for obvious reasons and I shall read it out by the way Laurent is at the high table with Damon and Nikkei is going off to tell the regent Laurent's plan Damon opened his mouth to reply and found his words stopped by the startling touch of Laurent's fingers against his lips a thumb brushing his jawline it was the sort of absent touch that any master at a table might give to a pet. But from the shocked reaction that rolled over the courtiers at the table, it was clear that Laurent did not do this sort of thing often, or ever. My pet was feeling neglected, Laurent apologised to Torveld. Vaughn introduces Damon to her pet, Talik, and I just have to appreciate the Vaskian woman for a sec, because... Talik is like the female version of Damon, basically. And I, I love how, like, when she comes in, she just, announce, she just announces, I am Talik. <laughs> so straightforward. She's so competitive. Like, she says to Damon, I think a warrior from Bertan would easily kill a warrior from Achaelos. Damon, I think it would depend on the warrior, he said carefully. <laughs> I'm imagining the Vaskian women are very resemblant of the Amazonian women, but in the same breath they kind of give me not Viking vibes, it's more like a mix of races. I don't know how to describe it. I feel like they're more like Asian-centric, if that makes sense, but yeah. That is how I envision Talik. Drawing your attention to the boar hunting scene, to those of you who have not read the entire trilogy, I just need to quickly say I'm kind of about to unveil slash spoil something, but it's not a major spoiler. But if you just don't want any hint of spoilery, then please skip this bit. Laurent is horrible, but when he was framed as ruining his horse in order to win the hunting trip, I absolutely despised him. But of course, that is not the case. I quote this line, which is on page 187. The prince tore strips off him for not doing it fast enough. It's way different now knowing that this is also a horse Auguste braked as a filly. Wow, the more you know, right? I was like, oh god, this is so different now. <laughs> wow, how 
How do you even... Picard? I don't even know. How did everyone else read that scene? Did, did you guys get the same vibes as I did? Because to me, Laurent just seemed angry, obviously. But with the context of knowing everything now, it's actually quite different. And yeah, I want to know what your, you guys' thoughts are on that. Honestly, you can just comment on anything. <laughs> but yeah. The fact that the regent is the one behind all of this, just to get back at Laurent once again, saying, if you break your toys, it is no one else's fault but your own, making him look like a petulant boy. But this is honestly just bullying at its finest. On top of that, Laurent has to have known the entire time that the regent was behind that, that he had plotted the horse to be killed and frame Laurent as the killer of that horse so but anyway moving on the Akeon assassination attempt on page 201 it seems very uncharacteristic of Laurent to save Damon's life right but Laurent recognizes that this is all a setup by his uncle and begrudgingly cannot let Damon take the blame because that's what the regent wants. Funny, since the regent didn't want Damon to be hurt by Laurent because it would look bad on Akielos, but he clearly wants Laurent to admit Damon deserves punishment in this time. For what reason, I had no clue initially, but I feel like this is between Castor and the regent liaising with each other for some game. Despite the fact that he is probably working with Castor, he planned to instigate a war between Achilles and Veer over the rape and death of the Verician prince and Damon being framed as the perpetrator to knock Castor down while he is at his weakest. Big brain mode. I know that that seems so simple to connect, but for me, it took me so long to realize the full scale of what was happening and I feel like that that's what's happening. So that's why Laurent makes it out that no, this wasn't an attack on him. It was an attack on Damon and later on breaks face when Damon goes to escape. Him saying, I can't protect you, is Laurent on the edge, because Damon leaving makes him look guilty, playing into the regent's hands, and thus making Laurent's life more difficult in the game between him and the regent. The regent will know Laurent is lying. We all know that he is lying. But the regent can't simply make Laurent admit it to the court because it's all very cloak and dagger. And that's how the Verisians work. I was so confused by this the first time I read it, but now I can conceptualize it better. I just want to read out the scene where Damon is escaping, but he meets Nikkei's in the hallway. Because I only realized this the other night, but the tone is completely different when I read the scene now and it is, it is much more sadder because now we know the truth behind everything. But don't worry, for those of you who have not read the entire trilogy, this isn't spoiling anything. It's just telling you that there's more to this scenario than what meets the eye. This is on page 210. He ordered everyone out of his apartments. I wouldn't try to see him. Why not? said McKay's. He looked past Damon towards Laurent's chamber. What happened? Is he alright? Damon thought of the most dissuasive argument he could make. He's in a foul mood, he said. 
briefly. If nothing else, it was accurate. Oh, said Nikkei's. And then, I don't care. I just wanted to... But then he lapsed into a weird silence, just staring at Damon without trying to get past him. Nikkei's lifted his chin and announced, I don't care. I'm going back to bed. Except that he was just standing there, all brown curls and blue eyes, light from the occasional torches falling on every perfect plane of his face. Well, go on, said Damon. More silence. There was obviously something on the case's mind, and he wouldn't leave until he said it. Eventually. Don't tell him I came. <gasps> okay, I don't know if any of you guys realised this, who have read the whole trilogy, but... The whole reason Nikkei's is in the hallway is because he's scared. He's scared and he's trying to get to Laurent. I full on had to put down the book and had to just sit with my feelings and grieve for a second because that's just so fucking sad. The horrible truth behind everything that is happening is that He's a child in this horrible, horrible situation as a pet. And oh, it really hit home for me when I read that because I was like, oh my god, my poor baby, you just don't want to play games anymore and you want to see Laurent. But yeah, the whole reason is just because he's scared. And I remember the first time that I read that scene, the tone was completely different. I thought Nikkei's was suspicious. I thought he was working with the regent and being nosy, but no. And the fact that he, he literally cannot push himself to say, I need to see Laurent is just so sad. Like, oh, my poor baby in a case. You need a hug. It's okay. No one's going to attack you. Of course, after this, Damon escapes and... He gets into that alleyway beside the brothel and sees Govar, of all fucking people to meet at this time. It's Govar. And he's so fucking crass, saying, oh, so you come to fuck one of mine. Oh, lovely to see you too again, Govar. <laughs> Not really. Damon's almost killed by the Regent's Guard. But then Jord comes in with the medallion and saves him. Well, I mean, we don't really feel saved, but towards the end of the next scene where Damon and Laurent are in front of the regent and a few of the, the council, I believe, on page 229, this was by far the most unnerving thing I have read because it's just so subtle and just vaguely hinted at. I'll read it out to you. This is when Laurent is kneeling before the regent and the regent has his hands in Laurent's hair, stroking it with slow, familiar affection. Laurent remained quite still, head bowed as strands of fine gold were pushed back from his face by the regent's heavy, ringed fingers. Laurent, why must you always defy me? I hate it when we're at odds, yet you force me to chastise you. You seem determined to wreck everything in your path. Blessed with gifts, you squander them. Given opportunities, you waste them. I hate to see you grown up like this, said the regent. 
When you were such a lovely boy. If you couldn't tell, I just slammed my book shut. Because that line, all in one go, has me disgusted. Oh my god. I just love the effect that that has, because Picard's not saying much. She's not saying what we now definitely know. It's just so heavily implied, and I love that about her writing, because she doesn't shove it down your throat. (laughs) She's alluding to it. She's being, she's showing, not telling. So I really admire her writing for that reason. And honestly, I would love to like, I would love for her to be like my creative writing professor at one point. Because I want to know all your secrets, Picard. Laurent is lazily sitting on the throne. And he's talking to Damon in such a way that it's kind of... There's, there's a certain kind of companionship that is starting to form, or camaraderie, but it's very, very subtle. And I mean, like, it's just a slight little, little, little flicker of camaraderie, if you will. Because he asks, his, like, in a light conversational tone, how far did you get? Referring to when Damon escaped. And I just find that, you know, intriguing, because... Laurent has every right to be mad and do whatever the hell he wants because he's he's trying to get away with being horrible to Damon in the beginning, but here we are having like a fun sort of mutual conversation. But then it automatically reverts back to the cold, indifferent tone where Laurent says, I'm going to lock you up so tightly you won't be able to breathe, let alone inconvenience me like this again. I told you you shouldn't thank me. This is the beginning where we see Laurent and Damon starting to kind of form a mutual relationship. I don't want to say it's mutual, it's just we're more on friendly sort of terms, but not really. It's hard to explain, but I hope you guys understand what I am saying. And I love how Damon straight up gives Laurent great advice in the fight against his uncle, because I'm talking about the scene afterwards where Damon finally connects the dots to the whole scheme happening and Laurent is confirming all of this. And Damon wants Laurent to take him as an asset to Delphi. But then Laurent, being the stubborn, arrogant bastard he is, after saving Damon's life, is like, I want you to rot here. Just to make Damon feel powerless again, because it's what he so desperately wants. Damon wants to help his country. And, like, Laurent won't admit it, but it's a great fucking idea. So, Laurent has to make you think that he won't take on what you've said, but he actually will have. It's all mind games with him and trickery. Wow! Oh my god. I have been recording this for almost four hours holy shit um well as you can see i had a lot to talk about um even now i'm pretty sure there's stuff that i've missed because i had to like find a way that i could condense it all and write it down but i know i haven't done everything so you guys please do let me know your thoughts You can tell me anything, even if, like, even if you have criticisms of the series, I am open to hear it, because everyone's opinions are valid. But be respectful. (laughs) That is the main rule. That is all I wrote down for my second reading of The Captive Prince. So, if you guys want to tell me your thoughts, 
because I definitely have missed out on some moments, please do contact me because I can bring it up in the next episode if you want my personal opinion on a question that you have regarding this book or anything. You can email me at heartfeltsize at gmail.com, which is heartfeltsize, no caps, all one word, or my Instagram. I haven't posted anything on there yet, but I plan to, so you can message me on there with your thoughts or questions or anything you want me to discuss in the, in the next few episodes, because obviously we'll be looking at Prince's Gambit and then King's Rising. I do have a Twitter Though I am really not on Twitter that much, but for polls and messaging once again, if you want to message me on there, you totally can, which is bfpodcaster, all one word, no caps. I also have a TikTok, but I can't message people on it because it's my, it's complicated. It's my second account, and I've already used my phone number for my other account, which has nothing on it, so... I can't actually talk to people on there, but if you want, you c- I will definitely post a TikTok video showing this podcast episode, so if you want to type your questions on there, you totally can. But that is where I will leave our first episode. I am so happy that you guys are so on board to listen to me talk about Captive Prince, and I deeply appreciate it, because I needed an outlet to talk about my feelings. Anyway, thank you for listening and I will see you guys in the next episode.